Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang. This podcast is a place of exploration to learn and grow from each other on the journey to becoming our best selves. Let's get to today's show. Our guest today is Mary Lou Burkhardt. Mary Lou is a yoga teacher leading Hatha, Vinyasa, and Oncology yoga classes. She is a breast cancer advocate and is based in New York City. Welcome to the show, Mary Lou. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So excited to have you on the show. So funny little story uh, that Mary Lou and I were just talking about before we started this is that we had such a funny little fortuitous meeting when we first met. Um, we happen, I happened to be sitting in by Chloe, which by the way is closed now, which is a shame, but well, it's it, now Beatnik. It's a different that's right. owner now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's turned into a different, um, shop, but I was sitting in what was by Chloe at the time with my mom. And it was during my 200 hour yoga teacher training. And Mary Lou just happened to be sitting next to us and overheard us talking about yoga teacher training and started talking with me about, you know, community building around yoga teachers. And so it was it was funny because when I had reached out to her to do this podcast, I was like, how do I know you? <laughs> and it was this funny little thing where we were both like racking our minds of how we met. And then suddenly it dawned on me just yesterday being like, oh, that was right. We just met each other randomly in by Chloe. It was it was such a funny little coming together, if you will. Yes. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. So Mary Lou, I'd love to get started with you talking a little bit about, um, you know, I, we were talking a little bit about how your life has kind of shifted and changed over time, you know, going from being an executive to a yoga teacher. And so can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you? Sure. Um, I've been teaching yoga for about almost five years now. Prior to that, I was in in digital ad sales. And prior to that, I was in event planning and, and guerrilla marketing, that type of thing. And prior to that, I was always in public relations and marketing. So I'd been in the corporate or an even small agency field for numerous years. And I always knew I wanted to do something else, but you know, you're just working for the money. And I, in the beginning, when I first came to New York, I was like, oh, public relations is my thing. And I dove into that. And I dove into many avenues of media and marketing and sales. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I've always had a love for yoga. When I first moved here, I, I practiced at a local gym and that's how I fell in love with yoga. And I started to learn more about it. And then there were a lot of teacher trainings going on. So I was just trying to find out, you know, what were those about? Um, what were the, what was involved and how could I get involved? And maybe I would want to teach one day, you know, obviously it's a it's an investment. Um, and when I had the right job at the time, the sales job, I was able to pay for that, that schooling and that training. And it was a wonderful experience. I wanted to find a school that not only talked about movement of yoga and the physical aspects, but also the philosophy and the history as well. And I found that in Three Sisters Yoga. And it was a wonderful time. I met some great people. Um, and, you know, you're part of a great community from there on. And I was able to start teaching. I started teaching right away. Not right away, I would say. No, I wouldn't say right away. I was had, I would, had fear at first. I would let you know that. Mm. I had fears around teaching. And I remember somebody told me one time, like, what is the fear that's happening? It's, it's the fear of performance because understand that what you're giving is more important than what you're feeling, that fear that you're feeling. You know, they had to flip it on me and be like, you know, what, what you're trying to convey to people and share with people is more important than your fear. And that really helped me. Um, so I started teaching maybe two years after training, only because I had a lot going on at that time. And it was great. I started to teach on my own. There was a studio that 
the same training I had, the same studio was available for teaching your own classes. So mm. I started to teach my own classes and thankfully I had wonderful friends that attended my classes and I started like promoting on different platforms and and then I got the courage to finally apply to studios and and then I went from there. And now I'm currently not teaching for studios, unfortunately, but I am teaching for some corporations that teach within office buildings and residential buildings. Uh, and that's been a wonderful experience as well. That's great. Oh, one thing I did notice that you had um, noted in your on your website was that you had done a teacher training at Laughing Lotus. I did. I did many teachings there. I had, ah. uh, I would say, three or four advanced teacher trainings there. I fell in love with them the first time I, I practiced with them just because, I mean, they had such energy when you walked into that space, yes. if you have ever been there. Unfortunately, they've, they've since closed um, yeah. since COVID. But um, yeah, they were wonderful. They had such a loving, warm presence when I entered that room. Um, and I allowed myself to immerse myself into that. It was very much of a dance type flow. Yes. And I love that feeling of just moving with the breath and moving back and forth. It was definitely, it's definitely faster than what I teach now. I definitely teach a slow pace because my, cl- my clients are very much beginners. And I feel like that was more for intermediate and so on. But um, that was a wonderful experience. I, I learned a lot from them and I still connect with those teachers today. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I bring it up because that was actually one of my favorite studios for a long amount of time because I had the mm-hmm. same experience where I was like, I entered there and I was like, this is so different, you know, and yes. it was almost like, like kind of like loud and boisterous in a way that mm-hmm. you don't usually experience in yoga. But mm-hmm. something about it, I it just like drew me in. And yeah, it was it was like one of my primary yoga studios for quite a while. It, it is a shame that's no longer there. But um, yeah, I, I noticed noticed that and I was like, oh, I loved Laughing Lotus. It was so wonderful. That's right. We probably were past each other all the time in certain studios. Oh, totally possible. Totally possible. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. So I know that you um, you recently had done some training around and got certified in oncology yoga. Mm-hmm. And so Can you talk a little bit about how you ended up going into that form of yoga? And, you know, I know that comes from your own experience. So if you can talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. that. Sure. So to give you more background, I was, um, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in late 2019 um, with stage one breast cancer. And I had my surgery right before COVID kicked off in February. Wow. Um, so thankfully everything went well. Um, it definitely was a shaky time, obviously for everyone. And, um, I would say I was lucky to have surgery done before I do. I felt so heavy for the people who had to go through those things during that time and had to put off a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I had, I'm 44 now, but at the time I think I was 41 and it was my second mammogram. Um, I had felt nothing like doing self exams. I had felt nothing up until that time. Mm. It was not a lump or anything at that time. It was simply a mass that was on my upper left breast. And so they detected something and it turned out to be cancerous, which was obviously the biggest shock of my life. Um, and it, it changed a lot of the way I think, the way I live now and the way I present myself. And, and just going through the motions of treatment, just going through the motions of surgery, I had radiation. Um, I know there was a lot of resistance and doing yoga afterwards when I could my doctors were great in, in recognizing that yoga definitely helped during my recovery from physical therapy and on. They knew that, you know, they were amazed how I was recovering. They were amazed at my mobility. 
Um, because a lot of times when you have certain surgeries, um, mastectomies or lumpectomies, what have you, you have a lot of, like I said, restriction, muscle constra- contraction. There's something called cording that happens that can kind of pull you in and not be able to really flex the way you want to. When I came across the training for oncology yoga, it was earlier last year that I saw something, a yoga alliance was doing like a lot of talks because of COVID. So they were doing a lot of content around interviews. And one of the interviews was with somebody with yoga for cancer. And it was also another yogi as well, talking about the benefits of yoga for people with cancer. And I was like, you know what, obviously I feel like I'm a testament to that, but I could learn so much more. And through that program, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about the different stages. Obviously, not every breast cancer is the same. Everybody goes through a different transition. There are different surgeries, different options, depending on where you are. And it was a great insight on how to be trauma-informed. I've definitely taken sessions on trauma-informed classes, but this is more in-depth about how we talk a certain way or how we invite things in a certain way or kind of leave things out so we're not for example I wouldn't say corpse pose in a in a class mm. I would probably say sunset pose because you have to understand people who are either going through treatment or post-treatment those things are always on our mind you know right. we, we are constantly thinking about what we had what we're going through and in, in, in death unfortunately so you always want to be mindful of the words you're speaking that you know speaking life into people as rather than speaking the opposite so that was a wonderful experience. And I was able to teach for my doctor's office a few classes for her specifically. And then I was able to teach a few classes via Eventbrite. I did some like online stuff here at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping, hoping to get back to that. I kind of put it on pause right now to, to take care of some personal items, but I am really ramping up to do more stuff, hopefully for YouTube and online and so on for that cancer community as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, it's so true that like, Unless you've been through that experience, you're not thinking about how do you really need to cater the class to a very different clientele who are going through a very, you know, heavy, obviously, time period in their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, just even what you were saying about like just the the restriction in your body that's, I'm sure, occurring, you know, based on the different types of cancer that you may be experiencing, let's say. It's it's very interesting to hear like how how that needs to be and even just the the vocabulary how that needs to be changed to um to mm-hmm. cater to that audience. Most definitely. Yeah. No, I I I think that's very compelling. I I'm curious so can you talk a little bit more about how was it around, you know, being diagnosed at such a young age and mm-hmm. and having that kind of going through that process? I you know, I I I'm very thankful that it was, it sounds like the surgery was successful and it was successful. Yes. I've been thankfully cancer free for over two years now. So it's thankfully so far so good. That's wonderful to hear. So, um, but yeah, if you can talk through like, what was it like Mm -hmm. kind of finding that out, you know, because I think having such like a severe life change, you know, it's, I'm sure it, it just completely affects the way you think every day. Mm -hmm. It certainly does. And it, it was, gosh. It was a lot at that time. I remember, you know, I was waiting for the news to come back and something just told me, something that told me it was cancer. Because at the time, you mm. know, they can't really tell you in the, until you get to your doctor's office. Like I had the results from the lab themselves, but they were like, you know, it's possible it could be. And at the time, I honestly, I was like bugging out because a friend of mine previously had just gone through breast cancer and she just had oh. mastectomy. She just had reconstruction surgery. She went through chemo, all of that stuff. I saw what she went through. And 
it was, it was a lot, obviously. Um, so when I got the news that the results were in, my doctor's office called me and she's like, I want you to come in. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. I was like, I, I want, I want this information now on the phone. Like it was a day that was just busy. I was out in the afternoon. I was meeting friends that evening for a birthday dinner for a friend. And I'm just the type to want to power through things, even though the information is not great, you know? So she did call me back and she did let me know, um, you know, that it was cancer and that it was where it was and what stage it was and so on. And she was very reassuring in terms of like, I just want you to come in so we can discuss this. She's like, it's not the, she's like, I don't want to act like it's the end of the world because it is not, you know? Mm. So I, I really appreciated her stance on presenting me the information because she gave me that strength that I needed at that time. And that continued. Um, I did um, go into the birthday dinner that night with, with a small group of friends. And that was my opportunity to tell them the news I just got. I just wanted to have a regular night, even though it wasn't going to be that regular. And I just, they, obviously they supported me wholeheartedly hardly when I was there. And I was just like, make sure you get your mammograms and make sure you, you schedule everything now. I was so on that uh, with everyone that I encountered. And when I finally met with my doctor, I brought my partner with me, obviously. And the way she presented it was, listen, unfortunately, a lot of young women are, are coming across breast cancer. She's like, your breast cancer right now is at a very small stage. She's like, it's almost like, she's like, I'm not going to try to call it a cold, but she's like, it's such a common thing. She's like, I want you to look at it as a small thing and not a big thing right now until mm-hmm. you know more information. And so I had to, from there, find a breast surgeon. Um, and thankfully I had been at NYU Langone for another reason. I think another doctor at that time. So I had called all oh, my OBGYN is listed there. So I called my OBGYN's office for a reference for a breast surgeon. And so I went to the breast surgeon's office with a friend and that itself is a traumatic experience. Let me tell you, because mm-hmm. I love my breast surgeon now. Don't get me wrong. But at the time she is a surgeon. So even though she is very personable, she was just giving me things like front and center. She was like, she drew things. For me, she's like, This is what it is, this is what stage you are. She like, so you can either you know do the lumpectomy or you can do the mastectomy. Lumpectomy is partial of the breast, and mastectomy is a full um removal of the breast. But she just presented me that like question right there and then, and I was just like, I am here for the first time in your office, and I have no idea what I want. And she's like, Okay, we'll go this way. And she's like, We'll test you first to see where you're at. She's like, and if, if we feel the mastectomy is needed, or you have the option of a lumpectomy. And I was like, Okay, at least I feel like I have a choice right now. Right. So that was a big thing. Um, and I left our office with my friend and we just went to eat. And I was just, I feel like I was in just shock the whole time. Like mm-hmm. it just didn't seem real. It did not seem real at all. And, you know, I cried over it and so on. And I remember, I just remember like, I just, I wanted to tell everybody, but I didn't want to tell anybody at the same time, because it's something that you're just like, I don't, I don't want so much attention on me right now. It's just, it was very hard. Right. Yeah. So I, I remember I, you know, my small group of friends knew. And I reached out to another group of friends via email, but I was really emailing them as, as well as to be like, listen, I need y'all to get every, your mammogram, schedule everything now. And through that email and group of women, God bless them. They connected me as to other people. Like I was connected to people's moms who had been through this. And one mom in particular, my friend Naima's mom had gone through it as well. And she let me know. She's like, the biggest thing I'm going to tell you is protect your mind because your mind can go south at any point, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously your thoughts run you, your thoughts can can move your sadness, your happiness and so on. She's like, protect your mind. And that's the thing I kept telling myself over and over again, right. When I would, when I would feel a certain way. And especially because you can get so caught up in Google and looking at things 
before surgery. And I remember one time I was really upset because I saw something on um, reading about a surgery and, and even my partner was like, what are you doing? He's like, you need to focus on positive stories, mm-hmm. not the negative stories. So I just started to search for positive stories, people who had survived this, people who are still surviving this now. And looking at that as examples of people who I was connected with who are surviving and thriving now. And that helped me so much. That helped me stay on that path of thinking, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. I just want this out of me. I want to, you know, I want to renew myself. I want to start anew, that type of thing. But I kept thinking of this, this tumor in me as something that need, needed to, to go. <clears throat> I'm like, whatever your lesson you're trying to teach me about life, I understand that I need to do more and I just need to be here and live it because I knew at that time I needed to slow down. And my partner had been telling me this for a while. I was like, you need to slow down. And you know me, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it when, <laughs> whenever I get a chance, especially coming from the corporate world and going to being a yoga teacher, you're, you're always hustling no matter what. Mm. And so that really taught me to slow down at that point. Um, and yeah, all up until that point, I just consumed like books that were po- you know, positive feedback and articles. And I even connected with women on Instagram and social media. And I had people checking in on me, of course. The only t- thing I didn't do at that time was I didn't tell my mother and my sister. Oh, wow. And I understand that's very shocking to some, but it's very... And a friend told me that the friend who had been through cancer previous to me, she was like, it is up to you if you want to tell your immediate family, because just know they are going to call you every day. Mm. And that's great to check on you, but it might seem more of a burden on you than an actual help because they are not in the same state as me. So they're, you know, it's not much they can do from where they're at. They're in Rhode Island, which is not far, but still, my sister has three children. My mother is doing her own thing. She actually is, um, has a chronic illness herself. So she Mm. has to deal with herself and my mother worries just like any mother does. And I didn't want to put that burden on my mother. I didn't want to put that burden on my sister. And I know my sister did feel away after I did tell her, but I'm like, listen, it was just, I'm, I'm good now. This is like after surgery and so forth. I did, I think I told them, I think I told them when the surgery was scheduled, that's when I called them up and let them know. Like we put my, me and my partner put them on speakerphone and assure them everything was okay. Obviously they were upset, but I think it was the right move being that I just didn't, I just didn't need that. I at that time I just didn't need the constant like phone calls of like, are you okay? Are you okay? Because I would have been like, yes, I'm fine. Okay, yes, yeah, everything's great, you know. But I don't want to put on the show when some day, some days I'm just like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I'm a mess. Yeah, and having them worry even more about me. So I had a great care team. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's such a personal decision, right? Around it is how 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 are other people going to react? How is that impacting me? And mm-hmm. is that helpful or not helpful to like me trying to keep myself above water? Because that's really mm-hmm. what you're doing, I could imagine, during that time period. Most definitely. And I had friends reach out to me whom I did, whom um, I remember after the surgery, it was my birthday. I decided to post and share that with everyone that what I had went through mm. um, just because that was the easiest format. I was like, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not going to call every single person. And, and if they take it this wrong way, they're going to have to understand because I've been through what I've been through, you know? Yep. Um, and then I, I, you know, I received the phone calls and texts and people wanted to know what was going on, how, you know, what I went through and so forth. At that time I was better, right? I, I was at post-surgery. I was, I, at that time I was, a, I mean, that was May, I had my surgery in February. So by, by the time March rolled around, I knew that I, they had gotten all the cancer out and hadn't spread thankfully. And I knew I was cancer free at that time. Mm. Um, so it was easier to be on the phone and be happy and joyful to share that news and to share like, yes. And by the way, get your mammogram, schedule the thermography, whatever you need to do. Yeah. I, it, and it's difficult too, because it, it really is a mind mess. I would call it because 
any cancer patient will tell you this. You go through the whys, right? Why is this happening? Mm. Did I do something? Did, did I do something to make this happen? Did I not eat the right things? Did I not exercise enough? And is it stress? And you can do that all day with yourself, right? But what it, it is what it is. It happened to you and you need to deal with the present moment and how you're going to move forward. And I, I try to do that with myself every day, even though every day I still think about it. And I think any cancer patient or cancer person who's in recovery or survival will tell you it's it's always going to be on your mind. Right. Because I, I think it's one of those kind of things where it's like there is your life before it and then there is mm-hmm. your life after it. Right. And the life after it's it doesn't go away. Right. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't leave you. And and having that experience will forever kind of change you. Right. Like there, it's like that line in the sand. It most definitely is. And like I could say year after year, I mean, it's only been over two years now. Maybe it feels like it's gotten better, but there are some days I don't feel safe in my body. There are mm-hmm. some days I'm just like, is it, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I still have uh, reactions from the radiation and the surgery, like the restrictions sometimes. So it'll happen like health pain in my rib cage or what have you. And I'm like, okay, is that just pain in my rib cage or is that something else, mm-hmm. you know? And I currently have scans still every six months until my doctor tells me it's going to go yearly because I'm being, you know, monitored just in case. So my next scan is July. So I literally am just trying to keep upbeat and not having scan anxiety <laughs> until that time. Yeah. Um, and I have to tell myself all the time, like, it's fine. Everything is fine. You know, don't Google anything until you go to your doctor, until it's something, unless it's something super serious that you need to talk to her about. And I love my surgeon for that because I can call her at any time. Like I have a personal number. She is there very much there for her patients. And I'm so appreciative of, of that from her. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think like all, all, everyone has this problem, this propensity to kind of like WebMD are symptoms of anything. Right. And then like somehow mm-hmm. you think that something's horribly wrong with you, but like to actually have had something horribly wrong with you, I can imagine just exacerbates that mm-hmm. feeling, right. Where you're like, but it can happen. And, and so it's true, like having to be able to give yourself the space to not bury down into that rabbit hole on a regular basis is it takes mm-hmm. a lot of mental <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but like it, t- it, it takes a lot of mental strength. It's a mental capacity. It yeah. does. And it's always, it's telling my, it's asking myself, is this a story? Mm. You know, like stop telling yourself the story and tell yourself a better story. Like if you're going to tell yourself a story, tell yourself a better story. Tell yeah. yourself that you're healthy, claim that you're healthy. I, every morning I wake up, I thank God that I'm, I'm healthy and I'm alive. And if something feels funny, I'm like, this too shall pass. My muscles are great. You know, my arteries are fine. And I have, you know, my song before anytime I have uh, scans coming up, I'm like clear scans, cancer free, no evidence of disease. I'm doing my little dance in the house. I'm like, you know, anything to keep my energy up because it can, you know, it can always go quickly sideways if if you allow that to happen. Yeah. Do you feel like your, um, your feelings around like gratitude have changed? Like since you had this occur? I guess there are times sometimes where like, I will sit in front of my computer and I'm just thinking of something and I will literally break down crying because I'm in such gratitude for the support I received. Mm. Like when I think about the circle of, of women and obviously men too, but just the circle of women who surrounded me, who checked on me, who prayed for me, who always asked me what was going on. Just that and alone, I was just like, how did I ever feel alone before? Like, you know, I feel mm. like that sometimes in our lives we feel alone. And sometimes I know I can be very introverted, so I'll kind of disappear. But, you know, my friends will still be there. Thankfully, God bless them. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes just 
I'll just think about it. And I'm just, I'm so grateful because not even through this, I'll just think about other, excuse me, other times before this, but I'm like, why didn't I recognize this in a deeper level? Like this is a community that I'm so blessed to have, you know, and I continue to make friends through social media and so forth, just genuine connections that are such blessings. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that I get to teach because even if it's not a cancer patient, it's somebody who needs relief, who needs stress relief, right? Who just needs movement in their body, who just needs to get out. I'm teaching people sometimes during their work day and they just need to separate themselves from that, right? So I feel like I'm also teaching them gratitude. I always, at the end of each practice, I'm like, put your hands together and just show yourself some gratitude for showing up for yourself today because you made it here, right? Sometimes just showing up is, is, is the biggest thing. Yes. If anything. Absolutely. So I think gratitude has played a definitely a bigger picture and a bigger, bigger realization. Um, and it, it, it continues day to day. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to mention from what you were saying earlier is I really commend you on the fact that it was, you know, it really made you snap and be like, let me get everyone else to go and get their mammograms done. You know, like, let me, you know, put that message out there and really push for that for everyone I know. And it does sound like you thankfully were, did get, have like very early detection, which is why you had such a great outcome with the surgery. Mm -hmm. So it does really go to show you just how much that getting your mammogram done at, you know, regularly is really important. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the fact that you were really pushing for that and you're in the the people that you have around you. And and then the second thing I want to say was, I, I do really love how, how much that community aspect really comes into play. Right. And it's, it's so true. Like I, I don't think we realize just how wonderful the people around us are and really commending how much, how important that is and how much it really can help us. And so it's really, it's so wonderful to hear that you were able to lean into the people around you and, and I love the fact that they were connecting you with people who could kind of share their experiences and help you kind of process your own, I'm sure. I just want to say that was really interesting to hear. Um, and now the other thing I am curious now. So as far as, you know, having gone, we talked a little bit about mentally, but how has that, this kind of changed your life in terms of, you know, obviously you were already doing yoga, teaching yoga and everything. But do you feel like you changed a lot of things maybe in your, like your diet or other things? Like what other things do you feel like you changed after this experience? I did change a lot. And I had to realize that before cancer, I definitely, I, I, I didn't come to this like real, really realization till like presently or even like after cancer that before cancer, I had issues with food. And I say that with that. I had like digestive issues. I was always bloated. I was always just like, just always something was giving me like grief with my digestive systems. Like I'm always trying to figure out food why. So I was always trying restrictive diets or supplements or this or that. So, but also I was stressed a lot because of work, like prior Mm -hmm. to yoga or even during yoga, when I was first trying to hustle and do what I need to do. And I was overeating. Like I would just like at the point, you know, as you're just eating, eating and I'm just eating just to eat at times, right? Yeah. Where even if you're full, you're still eating. And I'm, I had to realize later, like, that's not good for you. <laughs> that obviously puts some pressure on my stomach. That's probably why I am how I am. But after, after cancer, I did reach out to um, an herbalist I found through a book that I read called Radical Remission. His name is Dr. Wong. He's um, a president and he created his own Chinese herbal medicine um, organization. He is a scientist at a local hospital as well. So I just trusted that fact as well. Mm. And um, he was somebody I was like, listen, you know, obviously I had cancer. He, he specifically dealt with a lot of cancer patients. That's why I went to him as well. 
And he was able to help me with the digestive stuff as well as like any post-cancer things that he felt I needed to be treated for. So that was one thing I heavily believe in, in herbal medicine um, as well as Western medicine. I believe in the big combination of the two. Yeah. And yeah, I just definitely had to look at food, but I did do, I did speak to a functional medicine doctor and consulted with them because I wanted to know where I was at. And, and when I took some tests, I was nutrient deficient in some things like low in vitamin C and D things that you need in your, in your system to like help you. Right. And she helped me go through like one restrictive period of kind of like less sugar. Um, I found out it was gluten intolerant. So like, you know, less mm -hmm. or no gluten. She was like, but she let me know, like have a balance. She's like, I'm not trying to have you be so restrictive that you feel like you can't eat anything. Allow yourself to have these things, but give yourself six months. And I did that. And it was hard, obviously hard on my partner too. Cause I'm like, no, nope, I'm not having that. So you can have that or yep, we're not gonna yep. eat that today, you know? But I did have to find a healthier relationship with food. And it wasn't, I feel like until the past, maybe even last year, a few months that I was like, I'm going to eat that. I'm going to try that again. You know, I'm going to see how I react to that. And some things, I mean, I might be eat too much of, of one thing. And I'm like, all right, that's where the issue is, you know, but I feel like my relationship with food is healthier now. And then I'm allowing myself to just be intuitively eating. I know that's like a trend word now is just to be intuitive, allow yourself to eat what you need to eat and just look at like, I need to eat, you know, a balance of things, my protein, my carbs, my, my fats. That's the main thing I got to focus on to be, to, to have that health uh, factor that I need for myself, but also enjoy the ice cream. Enjoy. What did I have the other day? A peanut butter cup or something like that, you know, because in, in the cancer community themselves, you know, I definitely fell into the hole of like cancer feeds, uh, sugar feeds cancer. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that in a holistic community. And that's not broken down for you. And I had to realize, like, I need to stop looking at these memes and just short posts of things and just really look at somebody who understands how to read the science or just talk to my doctor more. And that was more a complicated thing of like insulin resistance. And I was like, you know what? I am fine. I don't eat that much sugar to begin with. <laughs> like, even if I did, you know, so I definitely developed a better relationship with food, thankfully now. And I'm just le learning to manage day to day, like, okay, this is not going to bring cancer back. You know, I have mm. to understand that it's, it's more than that. It's just, it's not just food. It's also stress. It's also taking my time to take a breath, to slow down, to understand what I need to do next, instead of reacting and panicking about what I need to do next. So I feel like it's a combination of things that even supplements. I don't take as many supplements as I used to because I do my best to get all of my vitamins through food. And anything extra is probably like a mushrooms um, combination of like, you know, adaptogens. And that was recommended by my herbalist. Hmm. I, I really appreciate what you said about not being too restrictive and not going to that extreme place and, mm -hmm. and giving yourself a little bit of grace, because I, I think I'm sure it is really easy to think like, oh, I got to go all the way in and go to this extreme measure in order to keep this away from me. And, and I appreciate the fact that your doctor especially was telling you, no, like, you know, you're allowed to have, you know, not drive mm -hmm. yourself insane um, yeah. in that way. So I, I really appreciate that. You, you were bringing this up a little bit around the stress aspect. So mm -hmm. how has that really played in? Because you were talking a little bit about how it sounds like even when you're incorporate or when you're not incorporate, that was something that was a part of your life. So, so what has your kind of a relationship to stress been like over time? I feel like I've been stressed all my life. That's what I look back at now. And I'm like, just stressed all my life. Um, <laughs> I can laugh about that now. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. Back, <laughs> right. I just think looking back and you think about how you grew up and everybody grows up with their own 
I feel like trauma and, and, and you know, and tribulation. Um, with me, I was the oldest of three kids. My mother became chronically ill when we were fairly young. And being the oldest, I had to take on a lot of responsibility. Um, and my parents worked. My mother worked as much as she could, even with her chronic illness. My dad obviously worked as much as he could. So I was the one at home with, with the children to, you know, do what I needed to do. And, you know, I think that takes a toll on somebody. And I didn't realize, excuse me, the stress level that that took. I just, I was just doing what I just thought that was normal. I'm just taking care of my family. I'm just, I'm, I'm just pitching in. I started working at 14. I started helping my mom pay the bills because when my parents divorced, my father had to leave, you know, the house and we didn't have as much. So I just chipped mm-hmm. in for the, for the mortgage and what have you. And I think that, you know, I had to manage that. And I had to manage the anger that came with that. And I didn't realize how angry I was. I, and I, and I, mm-hmm. I think that just continued. And I, and I look at now that, and how I behaved in some ways in my, in my times or relationships and just the way I presented myself at times as somebody who was maybe guarded or defensive because of the way I grew up. And then just working in, and just trying to find, <laughs> trying to find a job that you love or just working in an environment. And I worked in a lot of fast paced environments. I worked in uh, PR publishing at first. And that was fine because I was more of just like a, a secretary and junior executive at the time. So I wasn't doing much face-to-face with clients. And not until I realized that when I was face-to-face with clients working in a fashion uh, in PR agency that I was just like, oh, this is a lot of, of talking, of dealing, of this is not... I, I felt very extroverted because I was a bartender at the same time. I always held like two jobs all my life. I was like bartending, full-time job. And I thought, well, bartending, it was easy, just da-da-da-da. Sometimes small talk was great, but I feel like that took, took a lot out of me, just being on all the time. Public relations, you have to be on all the time, no matter what. And then I transitioned from that to event planning. And that was a fun job. I got to travel. I was very appreciative of that. And after that, I was in sales uh, through a friend had got me that job. And it was a wonderful position. I realized that all my PR marketing skills were transferred to sales and I can make more money through digital ad sales. Um, but what happened during that time was my father passed away in 2015. Mm, I'm so sorry. And so not only, thank you, not only was that a stressful period, but the job itself was very stressful because in sales, if you're not making your quota for the quarter or the month, like, what are you doing? Like, the question is like, what's what's happening? What are the, you know, those constant questions. And I was very hard on myself too, because I wanted to be outperforming. I did well for, I feel like the first few years, I was a top performer in my company and I made the president's club and all this stuff. And it was wonderful. I learned a lot from my peers. Um, but after my father's death, I just, that anger came back mm. and I was just sad all the time and whew, just still thinking about it. It was a very difficult time. And like, I did have the support around me, but I was just sad all the time. It was, it was when anybody passes in your life, you go through those motions of like, what is even the point, you know? Mm. And the anger showed up just like sitting on the train and I would see somebody with their dad. Whew, yeah, excuse me. And um, I would get so upset. I'm like, how are they alive? How, how is this person who is like a smoker? And I would be so judgmental, you know, I would just be all over it. And I would just like, oh my God, I need to like, I need to take a step back. I, what am I doing right now? So I think that stress like, transpired through you know, like I mentioned, childhood through work, I feel like we all go through these stressful moments, but are we ever taught how to deal with the stress? You know, I think that is so important because a lot of us are not. No. A lot of us hold it inside. A lot of us drink our stress away, smoke our stress away, you know, or we take multiple vacations to try to think that like that vacation is going to take that stress away. Yeah, I feel like 
I was just floating at that time. I had, I was looking back, my relationship with my father was complicated. We loved each other, but same time, it, it was, it was what it was. And I think the stress just continued with me trying to perform being a yoga instructor, but understanding like the yoga, that world in general, being a freelancer, being instructor, trying to make a full, full-time living off of something like that. I was working, I was teaching about 10, 10 to 15 classes per week and it was exhausting. I was running from not just one location to location. I was running to various locations, teaching anywhere I could, because I was like, I just need yeah. money and I need experience. So I think that in itself was very stressful. So when I was diagnosed, it was, you know, the message to slow down. And then when COVID hit, it was like another message to slow down. And I, I you know, I don't wish the world to close down again. I don't wish COVID to happen again, but it definitely was a bit of a relief to have to not go anywhere or do anything. And I'm grateful my partner was able to to support some some of what we were doing in our you know our living style just because he had a little bit of saved away more than I did at that time. So, I, I mention stress all the time because I just think it's a it's just a huge factor in our lives. And through yoga, I've definitely learned to manage it better. I feel like when that happened with my dad, even though I knew yoga, even though I knew the techniques and so forth, I totally ignored them at that time. I was just in my grief. I just didn't, I didn't want to bother. I like, I didn't, like I said, see a point to a lot of things. And then I had to move slowly back to that and slowly back to like practicing again and meditating again, because sitting still at times could be very difficult. So I, sometimes I just had to move. Sometimes I had to go running. I started running again. That was an interesting thing. Right after my diagnosis, something just told me to start running again. So I started to run again. Um, yeah. And that was, all the things that I need to do for myself, all that self-care, all those things maybe I neglected, dancing in my room, just loud music, you know, that type of stuff, just to find that stress relief. Um, time with friends, even if it was just a phone call or a FaceTime. I think that we need to really recognize the stress that we're going through and not ignore it and not just let it pass us by and just feel like, oh, we're just going to get through another day because that day just repeats like a groundhog day. It might be a different situation for you, the next day, but that stress is probably still sitting, sitting in your body in some way and expressing itself in another way. And I do feel our body tenses up. And I tell my, my students this all the time, like, where are you feeling the tightness in your shoulders, your jaw, maybe it's even in your stomach or your abs, like you're holding in something and we need to take our time to really allow it to let go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it points to how disconnected we often are to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And, yes. and I feel like our bodies are trying to tell us things like slow down or, you know, it's, it's trying to message us and we're often not listening, listening to it. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that that whole idea where it's like, you're trying to, yeah, it's, it's like, you're going, 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 going. And then I feel like life will throw things in your path to, to force us to slow down, whether we like it or not. Sometimes, you know, obviously in your case, it was a much bigger thing, but I think that it, that, that tends to happen, right. Where it's like, how many ways are we just running ourselves into the ground sometimes? And I think that's very, it's very cultural, you mm -hmm. know, but it's also in New York, especially, I feel like there is such this atmosphere of go, mm -hmm. go, 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 go. And it's hard to, to like, remember that you need to take care of yourself and have some good self-care. And, um, and I don't think that we put enough emphasis on that, you know, and I, I feel like now we're trying to put more emphasis on that, but it's, mm -hmm. it's hard, you know, and I, I think, um, 
in many ways that that is such a, a big thing of, of how, how is stress really sitting with you and, mm-hmm. and being able to, to address that. Most definitely. I, I also think about those companies who, who promote like wellness things for their employees and so on. And mm-hmm. like, you know, support them through either having classes or meditation, what have you. But I, I challenge also those companies to to do more because just presenting yoga classes and in these meditation classes are they are your are your are your employees going to these things that you're offering? Are you just offering them because they are a PR check off of your company's list of like we're doing this, we're doing, we're doing all the things? Are your are your students or your employees actually showing up as students? My students, but <laughs> because I think we have all these things available through the companies, and I think it's wonderful, but. If you have a stressful work day where your your clients are, you have a pile of clients that needs to be addressed and your boss is like, Well, I need this end of day, and you're like, Okay, but where where's the break in 15 minutes? I need to go for a walk. Um, and I had to learn to do that in my last job too. I was I was always going for walks in the afternoon when I felt stressed. I was like, I just need some sun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm it's you know, sometimes I feel like those things feel like a band-aid, you know? It's like, well, we we're offering you a yoga class, so it doesn't matter that we're creating this very, very stressful environment, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I feel like that that is really the root of why people, like why people are, you're trying to get them to go to yoga, but it's like, are you really addressing the the issues around the in, intense long hours or the really short deadlines, you know, like are those things mm-hmm. um, just inherent in your culture and, and not being addressed, right? Most definitely. And I tell my students all the time when they come to class, I'm a listen, that I'm simply leading the yoga practice. If you need to come sit down for a moment or you need to lay down, I'm not asking you to take a nap in my class, but if you need to just lay down for a moment and not go through the motions, this is your time. Like, I want you to rest. Like, we're going to do Shavasana at the end, but if you need to do Shavasana in the beginning or you need to just sit for a couple of seconds and breathe before you actually get into some movement, you're more than welcome to do that and just simply join in when you can, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's so important to somebody just to sit still for a minute and just kind of disconnect from where they came from. Oh, I love that. Well, small story for, for uh, that, that was bringing up for me was I remember when I was going through a really bad breakup and actually laughing Lotus was, which is very, it, it's very strange dichotomy, but laughing Lotus while being this like boisterous, like fun environment was like the one place I could actually go and cry Mm-hmm. And it's because I was finally in my own space and like being able to connect with how I was really feeling. You and felt safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I, I feel like I'm in a, a place where, yeah, exactly. Where I feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through that and it's true. Like, I love that you're giving that, you know, offering that up to your students because it's, it's true. Like, I feel like there is such a beauty of like yoga class giving you that space where it's like you get to connect with yourself now, like you get to just be showing up for yourself. Right. And and even just having made it to the class is enough and a Mm -hmm. big thing for you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just showing up for yourself in any capacity is the biggest thing you can do for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So now that I'm looking at the time. So, well, first off, is there anything else that we haven't covered off on that you would like to to talk about? I think, I think it was interesting the way we met. I think I'd like to bring that up as well, because I feel like 
yoga and teaching yoga. And I feel like a lot of people still going to teacher trainings and so on and, you know, wanting to teach either yoga full-time or part-time. And at the time that we met, I, I felt when I overheard your conversation, I was really amped to connect with you because at the time I was, I was pushing, um, I was part of an organization called Say2, which was helping support yoga teachers and I in a diverse yoga culture specifically as well. And just at that time, it just made me realize and instill to this day how like we need to support each other more and more, just talking about community, right? Yeah. Because I've had to navigate my way into other positions that paid me more because of the fact that you have to realize that yoga in itself is still a transitioning thing. It's still a, a we're still learning from it in terms of Western society and how Western society is treating it just as a form of exercise. And obviously it's much more, Yes, but also as a yoga instructor, you want to be paid for your time. Um, as a, a teacher, you want to be paid for your time and just supporting other teachers who are, are navigating the system. So if you're a yoga teacher and you're listening to this and you know somebody who you can bring under your wing or just give advice to, you know, do that because we're all lost in this. We're all <laughs> in the beginning and sometimes in the middle of it, we're all lost in it and just trying to figure it out. And we're doing many things to fulfill our passions, um, but also in, in serving in the community. And a lot of us, you know, a, a lot of us would do some of this for free if we could, but at the end of the day, in order for us to give ourselves full time, we need compensation just like anybody does. Um, and I think it's, it's wonderful that I'm seeing more and more yoga teachers being able to you know, support themselves in that way, or if they're just supporting themselves in another way, they're finding the, the transition. Like it doesn't have to be just one thing. Um, like I mentioned to you off the, uh, off before we started was that I'm studying uh, UX design to go back to a full-time position to support myself financially. And I think that's something that I may, may have not even talked about a few years ago because I was so like, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm XYZ and I'm going to do my own thing. And I feel like a lot of us were on that and there's nothing wrong with that specifically, but there's also nothing wrong with working in 95 and helping, having that helping you financially yeah. in order to do what you love. So that's what I'm looking at it now because I really want to do more of what I love through yoga and other things and also have myself financially supported. And I think if you're doing it full-time as a fitness instructor, yoga instructor, kudos to you. I'm, I'm just tired <laughs> and I would like to have a balance in life. And as I share that to say that, you know, I want people to have a supportive community, but I also want people to understand that like, you don't have to be this ultimate entrepreneur. Like I know hustle culture has been promoted to the end. And I think a lot of people can be bosses out there and are able to do the shifts, but I want you to not feel bad if you're not able to do that shift or you feel like you're failing at that shift because it is not a failure. It is a lesson and it'll help you find out what you really want for yourself and how you really want to move forward in life and how you can mostly benefit yourself and others by allowing yourself to, to support yourself better. Because before I was like, no, I'll, you know, I'll just hustle and, and, and give and give and give. And I feel like we're sometimes we're taught that when we grow up, like, you know, it's like suffering is a part of life. We'll just, we'll just move mm -hmm. through the motions. It doesn't have to be. We, we are all definitely suffering into certain degrees and we're trying to help each other as much as we can, but support yourself and find the support so that you can support others. I absolutely love that message. You know, it's, it's so true that, well, A, I love the fact that you're calling out the need for community because I think that I, I think we don't realize just how much we need other people who are, who can relate to the things that we're going through. I, I think that that's something that I've been realizing how important that is for me. And, and just the ability to say like, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z and someone to be like, I understand is mm -hmm. so incredibly important. And it's so, 
helpful and just makes you feel less alone, you know, like what you were saying earlier about that loneliness feeling, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you're not alone. Like there are other people that are going through similar struggles, maybe not the exact same one, but that can relate to you and just how meaningful that can be for, for, um, whatever we're going through, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I also, I really appreciate what you're just saying now. Um, because it's true. I, I think that oftentimes, you like we're thinking like we're going in this direction you know and you know what you were saying about like entrepreneurship like I'm going in this direction and then like sometimes you veer off course and you're like no never mind I'm going in this direction and and just feeling okay about that is really hard you know because Mm -hmm. you've already thought you were going in one way and and to to go in a different direction I'm sure feels jarring right because it's like Mm -hmm. oh but I already convinced myself of this way so it's it's true that we need a have a little more flexibility and in, in understanding like you have to still meet whatever your needs are at that time and take care mm-hmm. of yourself. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, sometimes we're, we're worried about other people's judgment or whatever the case may be. Right. And it's like, how can we, you know, sit with what we need for ourselves and feel okay about that? So I, I really appreciate that message. Yeah, I think it's highly important. And I, I feel like especially coming from a cancer diagnosis, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who have been through this or been any type of like illness can relate to just wanting to live your life and, and trying to take risks and try to not, try not to be as fearful as we were before and really ask yourself, well, if I do jump in this direction, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And you know, you've heard that before, but mm. you're really like, what can I really lose if I do X, Y, Z? And also like, support around you you know ask ask questions and that type of thing um because the support is there I think the support is there we just have to look and we also have to be be adventurous and taking leaps as as we do as as you did when you when you moved recently you took that leap right (laughs) (laughs) which is wonderful yeah very true I mean I love that idea though where it's like do you feel like you're a little more emboldened to make bigger changes in your life like since and granted it's interesting because you actually made the shift to becoming a yoga teacher before your diagnosis correct I did yeah I just definitely made that risk and that jump because at that time I I knew too like it's either now or or not like Mm. even if I go through the training like I said I didn't teach right away but at least I went through the training at that time because I felt you know financially stable enough to invest in that and take the time for that and that was definitely a jump but even actually years later jumping and and leaving that job I left that job because I was just at a pivotal time where I was like I don't want to deal with the stress anymore and I think taking a break from the stress rather even if the yoga thing doesn't work out it'll still be a break from this stress that I'm, I'm, I'm building for myself and then when I began to teach, it really took me out of my head because I had to, you know, create, I had to give, I had mm-hmm. to focus on something other than myself. And that was a wonderful experience too. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. So I have a couple like final questions that I like to do at the end. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're ready for that. Let's, Go right ahead. Awesome. So the first question is, what is the best lesson that you've learned recently? Oh gosh, the best lesson I've learned recently. I don't know if it's really a lesson per se, but it's it reminds me of like when I'm visiting home more, especially post-COVID, because I hadn't had visited a lot previously and just seeing my nieces and my nephew, my nephews and my niece grow up and watching my mother get older. And I think the lesson in that is like life is moving fast. Yeah. Um, and I get emotional saying that too, because I look at how big they are and I look how older my mother looks and 
God bless her. She's doing well for what she's been through. But I think the lesson in there is just, again, to remind myself to slow down, but also really in, in, embody the presence that I claim in my classes, right? To really stay present, to really pay attention, to really listen, and to really soak in the memories that I'm having, not only with my family, but with friends. And just to really sit there and not feel like, you know, we're just rushing through dinner or, you know, whatever we get up for. And even my partner, I'll look at him sometimes and he's like, you're being weird again. And I'm just like, no, I'm just, I'm just capturing this moment, you know? (laughs) So the lesson is to, is over and over again, time and time again, even though it's nothing, it is recent, but it's constant is to really be present for that other person and for yourself to really soak in the memories that we're taking in day by day and just be appreciative of them. I love that. I, I, I think of the phrase like savor the moment a lot. Like, Mm. and I, I notice myself doing it occasionally where I'm like really like relishing in something like just like absorbing it almost through like all my senses. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I do that here too. We have a festival that happens here every Sunday now for the summer. And even if I'm not like really participating, I can just people watch and just enjoy like people having fun. I'm like, Oh, this is fun. (laughs) I thought it'd be my thing. I love it. I love it. No, I, yeah, it's so, that's funny that you say that because like, I love just watching other people ha- experience true joy. Like there's something true really, joy, right? yeah, there's something so enjoyable. You're like, oh, I see you. You're having the greatest time ever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So second question is how would you describe your current relationship with yourself? Oh, I think it's more, more self-compassion, more self-love. I always knew I had a challenge with self-love and, and compassion before for myself because it's I don't think it's something I was taught when I was growing up. Mm. Um, but also the self-compassion for myself is also the translated compassion I feel for others as well. And just really understanding where they're coming from. I think Brene Brown is an amazing person and she's definitely in her work shared how we can be more compassionate towards others and ourselves. And she's really taught me a lot of life lessons in, in itself and just looking at people and where they're at. And being more forgiving of like, okay, they know what they know and they're doing what they're doing. This does not really reflect anything upon me. Yeah, I think that just looking at others and especially when I'm teaching others now and I understand like they may not be able to do everything that I'm teaching them to do, but how can I, how can I really navigate and serve them better then? I'm not just going to, you know, tell them one position or say something and be like, okay, that's what it is. Right. <laughs> Cause I have to look at myself. Like I would hate if somebody was just like, Oh, Mary Lou, you just, I do X, Y, and Z, which some people have done before to any of us. Right. Even in our work situations. And I'm like, I'm sorry, could you explain to me, you know, and having the compassion to understand that everybody is starting at the beginning in some capacity, not everybody's going to meet you where you're at. Um, mm-hmm. and that goes when you go to your doctors too, because your, your doctor sometimes will talk to you with some, some jargon and you're like, I need to, a fourth grader explanation to me and don't be afraid to do that. And I was, I'm telling people with pushback if their doctors are not explaining to somebody, something to you correctly, because, and then they and themselves need to learn more compassion at times too, because they're just going through patient after patient. They're just like, no, I need to, I need you to focus. I need you to be here with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Okay. So what is something that you are currently working on? Who I am working on what I mentioned to you earlier of, of being feeling safe in my body, mm. feeling that I'm doing the right things, but not really focusing on stressing. Am I doing the right thing? Do you know what I mean? I think the things can be different things for people really like 
I think I used to be like, oh, I need to wake up at this this time every day and do X, Y, and have a morning routine and force the X, Y. And I'm like, now I'm just like, I'm waking up at this time because I don't have to be there. And I'm going to get this done. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my list and I'm congratulating myself on what I did get done rather than what I didn't get done. Yes. I love I that. I think that is a practice in itself. And also practice in itself is when I say the lesson before was like not rushing through time and being present, like, yeah, you can plan for the future, but don't be like, oh, when Saturday comes, like enjoy where you are today, even though it might be a strenuous day at work or what have you just like, don't rush the next day coming or the or, or trip is coming in a few months. I know you're looking forward to it, right? But do yourself a favor and slow down, practice, practice that sense of like, okay, it's, that's going to, that's there, but I'm going to, I'm going to see what, what happens today. What, what, what joy can happen today? What joy can happen tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, well, one thing I want to um, bring up from this was one thing I was sharing with you earlier was how much I love how you're kind of like, all your Insta stories are so like joyful. And I, I just like love that because it's just, yeah. How do we bring a little more joy into our lives and how do we, mm-hmm. you know, just, just take that little edge off of like feeling like crushed by the day. Right. And so I, I love that message where it's like, yeah, how, how can we not be too focused on the future, but just find, find the joy in every, in today and, and find mm-hmm. the gratitude in today too. Right. Yeah. Laugh a little bit more, watch a comedy special. Like if you had a rough day, like do something fun, like, you know, silly, make yourself laugh, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it, it's going to get hectic no matter what. You got to navigate through this, those times. Absolutely. Okay. So next question is, what do you consider most valuable to you right now? And it could be anything, not like necessarily mm-hmm. physical. Oh, my friends and family. They're so valuable. Yeah. They're so valuable to me. Yeah. Just, just, I noticed that more and more, even post COVID, it's just there, that is a spiritual connection you have, right? That time you spend with friends and family. Um, even if it's not all the time, it's just, it's a great connection and it can give you such joy in, in just a, a simple conversation. And I want to do my best more with sending out cards. I remember a friend told me like a card is like getting a hug. And I'm like, you're so right. And I always feel that when she sends me a card, I'm like, you do send me hugs. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Isn't it so sweet? Yeah. So I just, I just want to go by that as well and just experience that more. Yeah. I think it, it all goes back to joy. And I also want to mention that we know that they're not joyous days or times that we go through like on Insta, social media can be a lot of smoke and mirrors. I will show up on Instagram when I'm happy, when I'm having a bad day, probably won't be on Instagram, probably be in my bed, eating something or watching a movie, trying to cheer myself back up. Cause we all have those days. Absolutely. So what is the number one skill you believe everyone should work on? Oh goodness. I think the compassion thing is a skill. I think really looking at someone and understanding where they're coming from and hopefully they're not coming from a harmful situation where they're trying to harm you or what have you. And that's when you have to put up a boundary of what that might mean for you. But I think compassion is a skill that a lot of us, not say that we don't have, but we don't practice often. We're quick to like get defensive on something or argue with someone or get mad at somebody on the train, you know what I mean? That type mm-hmm. of thing. It can, it can happen at any moment. Yeah, I think the skill is just really self-awareness. And that's something I've definitely learned through the practice of yoga, being really aware of yourself and aware of others. And the more you're aware of yourself and others, the more you can kind of tune into that compassion towards others as well and understanding like, all right, they are not where I, I am in this thinking pattern right now, or they're not understanding where I'm coming from. I'm not understanding where they're coming from. I don't know where I can meet in the middle with this person, but 
I'm going to come at it with curiosity as opposed to maybe anger or a different reaction. Yeah. Yeah. No, compassion is so important. And, and I love the word compassion because it's, it's inherently both towards other people and yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so important because it's like, we need to, we need to model better um, relationships with ourselves to model better relationships with other people. Right. Wholeheartedly agree. I feel like there were times when I did not show that self-compassion for myself that I was just angry all the time. And I was in that nasty mood and I would just project that. And then anybody who came at me some funny way, I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to happen into that. You know, it, 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 it changes, it changes your perspective on things and people. And not to say that you should welcome everybody in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. just saying, just again, coming out of curiosity where they're coming from, if you need to set a boundary, whatever that is, then that's, that's how you learn. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like surrounding yourself with the right people, not necessarily letting everyone in is, is absolutely mm-hmm. true. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I remember hearing something where it was like kind of this idea of like assuming, like kind of just like giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, you know, like mm-hmm. just assuming positive intent from other people. And I, I really like that idea because it's like, oftentimes we are just like quick to be argumentative or whatever the case may be. And it's like, how do we, you know, try and see people as like, we're all just trying our best out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you so much, Mary Lou, for coming on A Way of Thinking. This was so, this is such a nice conversation. I really enjoyed it. It was. It was a really wonderful conversation. I'm so glad to, to be on here with you and, and just connect with you in this way. It's been amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. So if you want to connect with Mary Lou, you can find her on Instagram at wellness with Mary Lou. And is there, is there anything else that I need to call out? Like your website? Right. That same as the website. So website is still wellnesswithmarylou.com. And then you can reach me at that Gmail as well if you have any questions or you can just hit me up on Instagram with anything as well. Okay, perfect. So thank you again, Mary Lou. That will be the end of this episode. Thank you, Jessica. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to A Way of Thinking. If you loved this episode, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends. I hope some of the beautiful wisdom shared today resonates with you and perhaps creates some change in your way of thinking. Remember that I believe in you and I am so excited for the day that you believe in you too. Let's continue learning and growing together. 